0: Hi everyone! Before you hear the episode, we'd like to note something that was pointed to us uh, regarding the last episode It Stars at Home. We believe that it's important to address it. We are aware that a big number of students and adults regard school as the only safe space, and so we want you to know that if home isn't or wasn't a safe space for you,
1: you're not alone. If you haven't found comfort at home, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist anywhere else. The point of the episode is to have someone share her personal story with her kid, and we are very grateful she let us and all of you into her life. Um, That being said, we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thank you.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of With Heya and Yusra. You will be enjoying today's episode very much because you will be listening to someone um, with a lot to offer. So, with us is Shiraz, who has a very impressive working history and CV. <laughs> um, most, actually, all of her work is um, centered around education. Um, she's held different perspectives within the realm of education, and I would say that she did so gracefully.
2: So, I very kind. Thank you. So,
0: we'd like to welcome you, Shiraz. <laughs> welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And this is with Haye and Yusra.
2: So, good to have you here. Good to be here. Thank you. So it's uh, an honor to be able to be part of your work. Oh, so thank, thank you. Thank you.
1: Um so first of all, we have got to get this out of the way. Tell us a bit more about yourself.
2: Oh, where do I start? <laughs> um career-wise, how yeah. I So my my background is I I started originally as what we call a youth worker in the UK. So mm-hmm. I was born in born and raised in London and in London, in the UK, we have lots of after-school centres and mm. summer schemes and stuff like that. So as a teenager, I started working in these summer programmes with mainly primary school children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum was a childminder. She runs a nursery now, so I have lots of early years experience. And, and that was my background, right? Mm. So after-school care, um, when kids had finished school, they would go to these play centres and I'd, I'd work there. Mm. So, So that was my background. And then eventually, yeah, after school... I went on to university, became a teacher, and uh, I had in the, the UK. yes. I was uh, I was a uh, what you guys call a fellow with mm-hmm. yeah. Teach First in the UK for I did the two years and I stayed on for another year. What in, did you uh, teach? I was an art teacher. <laughs> I still am an art teacher, right? I feel like yeah. you always say was when you stop teaching, but yeah. it's a but it's a know, life. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. You, yeah, you just yeah. <laughs> So, um, I am an art teacher, yeah. I continue to be an art teacher, and uh, yeah, so I was a fellow for three years, and then I moved here to Qatar, where I was at uh, an international school for a good five years, for a really long time. I was teaching yeah. art there, and then I did some, I worked in admin a little bit, um, and while I was doing that, I had the privilege of being part of Teach for Qatar as they were, you know, getting started. Starting, yeah. um, and, and I was at the Summer institutes, which I had done in the UK with Teach First. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, here I am today. Eventually so I made the shift over full time to teach So for tell
1: tell them the listeners more about the Summer Institute and oh. so you said the transition, yeah. But tell us
2: tell them more because we know.
0: Yeah, we know what it is. We but, know what you do. But they have no idea what a summer institute is. So the
2: Summer <laughs> Institute, I can tell you, you know, both with Teach First and with Teach for Qatar, the Summer Institute is an intensive training period that you tend to do over the summer. Yeah. So for other partners internationally, Teach for All Um, sorry Teach First and Teach for Qatar are part of Teach for All so there are partners all over the world but traditionally it happens during the summer Mm. and it's a good chunk of time usually about six weeks where these exceptional graduates like yourselves go in and do this intensive training experience and then you guys get thrown into school um, in (laughs) September and it's the same in the UK my experience as a fellow in the UK with Teach First was that I had a residential summer institute which was so powerful because we were living together Mm. um, for six weeks so we did I think it was like two or three weeks in London, and then we become part of a national summer institute. So everybody really cool. goes into one city for the whole the whole summer institute. And then here in Qatar, we do it um, at, traditionally at Aspire. Mm-hmm. We've done it at Ausage before. And this year was our first virtual summer institute mm-hmm. yeah. because of the... 2020, yeah. Yeah, 2020 was our first cohort to have a virtual summer institute. And it's basically an intensive training period. So mm-hmm. in the UK, you would have the PGCE, which is the Postgraduate Certificate of Education, the Teacher Training
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, Qualification, and uh, with Teach First, you get all of that in six weeks. Oh, okay. So, uh, so yeah. So I did it as a fellow, and and then I think I counted last year was my tenth wow. summer wow. institute. Wow! So I did That's one amazing. as yeah, yeah. It's pretty much most of my summers are, are gone <laughs> these
1: days well, to Teach like training. That. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I did. So I did the one as a as a fellow, and then as a returner, and then after that, I was either working with Teach First or working with Teach for Qatar at a summer institute. So, so yeah, my summers are teaching related usually.
1: So going back to teaching, hmm. you taught in the UK, I and did. you taught here. Yes. Before starting, did you have any expectations from either, yeah. jobs, either job? Either
2: jobs. Expectations, you know. Look, I. Because I was taught by, so here's the tricky bit, because I was taught by teach first teachers mm. yeah, and I was so at home in the classroom and then I become a, became a fellow and then I went into the classroom, I never saw it as like a transition from, from school into work. It was just a continuation of a place that I knew natural. to be home. It was yeah. really comfortable. If anything, I think the biggest challenge for me was doing teacher training because then when I got oh. in the classroom, I felt more comfortable again because mm. the kids were like me. Mm-hmm. Um expectation-wise, uh, no, I, like, like I said, I just felt like I was a kid on the other side of the classroom. I felt very comfortable and I felt very at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I expected that things would be even more different when I moved country, but, you know, and I know that this is the topic of the podcast, but actually yeah. I found that, you know, kids are kids and the classroom, in whatever shape or form it, it is in, is so similar, regardless yeah. of, you know, geographical boundaries and these kinds of things. Kids really are kids, so... I mean does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, I don't have very any formal expectations, yeah.
1: That's very interesting because Yusra was telling me the other day about you were yeah, talking about I
0: was talking about that. as a kid, I was very analytical of my educational process. I think <laughs> everyone can tell, <laughs> right? So uh, me and my siblings, we went to different kinds of school here. Okay. And I always wondered like why we have the same like feelings and the same experience in a way, because we were in very different schools. But we learned the same things and we had similar stories about teachers. And I remember going back to Sudan in the summers and discussing things with my cousins who studied either in Sudan or the US or even the UK. And we all had the same stories. Mm. And that just baffled me so much. And I just wondered if there's a constant in the classroom. So is it just the human experience that makes it similar? Or is it the boxing of school? Is it, I don't know, is it the teachers? Is everybody teaching the same way? I don't don't know. And that's what I wanted to ask you. So coming from the UK and then coming here, is there, like, what's so similar? What do you think is the constant?
2: I think when you look at age groups as well, right? Mm -hmm. So you always have, I've seen bullying across classrooms. I've seen bullying in schools. And and that's such a solid constant. Unfortunately, that's Mm -hmm. a solid constant. It comes in different forms, in different ways. Um, In some places, more physical, there was more fighting. When I was in the UK, I was teaching in a mixed school. That was Mm -hmm. very normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I came here and um, it was a mixed school, but the classes, um, until a certain, I think I can't, it was GCSE level, the classes were mixed, but below that, they were segregated. Um, So you just see bullying in different forms, which is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, And so difficult to challenge regardless of where it is Mm -mm. um you see bureaucracy that's pretty consistent Mm -hmm. in different Mm -hmm. countries and you see burnout amongst teachers in different countries um so yeah those things are so consistent and not that's not necessarily a great thing right yeah um and then in terms of just child development kids go through the same stuff you know you still have that finding themselves Mm -hmm. that searching for identity at certain age groups
0: yeah
2: um and there's a beauty in that there's a real consistency in that especially when you see I mean in the UK in particular I had lots of migrant children who were arriving literally some of them the week before and they were in my classroom fresh immediately not a word of English um and even with the language barrier you can see they were still going through same thing the same things you know they were still trying to find out who they were um and yeah, that's where, it's so, I don't even want to say this, it's so cringy, but it, the, the teaching really is a language, you know, when you it find is. yourself in a classroom, I feel like if you threw me into, um, you know, a conflict zone, or if you threw me into a really high-tech, you know, well-equipped classroom, I know that the constant would be the kids, yeah. that they would be going through similar things, and then also our brains are wired in similar ways, I know that some are going to prefer visual, I know that some are going to prefer kinesthetic, and so on, so... So, yeah, and I guess that's why it's home. I guess that's why it's so comfortable. Regardless of where I go, it's still, it's still somewhere that I feel safe, that I'm happy to be.
0: As a kid, I always thought it was just us bonding over
1: struggles. Yeah, <laughs> over trauma. That's what, oh, we over, to, yeah, <laughs> that's
0: what we love to say. It's just bonding <laughs> over trauma, as that, that me sound. But people do make a lot of emphasis on private school versus public school, English speaking, mm. Arabic speaking, or any language for that matter. But it always felt the same to me. People don't know if you went to a public school or a private school most of the time because you
1: just get over it. Yeah. The intensity of the struggles might be different, but essentially I think we it's all... It's the same thing. As you mentioned about bullying, because I yeah. hear stories from people who went to really good, proper private schools, but they have you know some horror stories to tell. They really do. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah.
2: But I would say I think that there is a a, unfortunately a real differentiation between, so you said that you wouldn't necessarily know if somebody went to a public Mm. or a private school but I think in the UK you would.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, The
2: experience might have been really similar, you know, you might have been, I mean we're dwelling on bullying, that's not the experience of everyone but you might have been bullied in a public or a private school in the UK it would be like just a government state school or, very confusing, in the UK a private school is called a public school Um, but I think you're, if that child or that student goes to university, they would feel a difference depending on where they set went oh, to yeah. high school, because of the
0: yeah. set of completely,
2: and just the degree. type of education that they yeah. received, so mm. in that sense, there's a real difference in those experiences, which is a shame, and that's yeah. where the inequality exists, and that's what, you know, that's what we strive to address yeah. and, um, and keep going, keep working on, but I'm intrigued now. Do you look back now with rose-tinted glasses? Like, at the time, you've, you know, obviously mm. felt quite hard done by, but do you look back with fondness now at your... No. No. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Because for me, I had a, the opposite. I went to public school, and everyone I know went to. Well, not everyone. Yeah, same My circle. I to,
0: knew people who didn't. I was
1: bitter, to be honest. I was yeah. just like, you get all the good things, and we don't. You get to do extracurricular activities, and I don't. Yeah. I was bitter, and I, I really feel like it had a an impact? An impact on me. Till this day, I feel like sometimes I just, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> just like, I can't believe you got this and I didn't. I can't believe so, you guys got yeah, to draw. Yeah, and yeah. But
2: didn't. where are they now? So like, if you guys are on similar levels, do you wear that as like a badge of honor that you came from?
1: I know, but sometimes when we discuss certain issues, I kind of try to use it as to kind of empower people who are similar to me, who yes. kind of felt insecure by... Uh, you know, their school experience, yeah. and even uni experience. university experience, when they yeah. be little, what they do, I'm like, well, I, I, I was, I did yeah, yeah. I
0: but now that. I kind of
1: found myself and now I know what I want to do. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: But that's really interesting. So it, I know this wasn't in the planning of this episode, <laughs> but I think it's interesting how we have similar experiences in the sense that we feel boxed or misunderstood or whatever. It's similar in that sense, but because of the privileges or the set of skills presented to you, you kind of grow up differently, Mm -hmm. but then we kind of end up in the same place. I'm talking about here specifically in this country. We just end up doing the same jobs or the Mm -hmm. same things, same tasks. And that kind of eliminates, I don't know where I'm going with this point, (laughs) but I don't know. I think it's it's just interesting how it's the same, but it's still different. Mm -hmm. Do you get me? I wanna ask you a question about the teachers that you currently um yes, train. train. Yeah. Does it do they follow the same patterns or beha- I'm talking behavioral patterns oh, of student. children? Yeah. So we said you know there's a constant within like classrooms. Like mm. kids are kids everywhere. Mm-mm. Does it apply to adults? Because they're just big kids.
2: In terms of teachers that we train? Yeah. yeah. Look, they're working with such different tools and resources to the teachers that I worked with in the UK. So yeah. in the UK, you know, there's a very, there's a long history there, very established system. It's yeah. not perfect at all. But mm. um, those trainee teachers had very have very clear, clear um, structures that they're going to be working with. Mm. And also, I was working with Teach First teachers who, Teach First has been around way longer than Teach for Qatar. So yeah. they, you know, they weren't... They didn't have the challenge of going into a school where people were like, oh, teach first, what's that, are who are them? you? Yeah. Whereas I've seen Teach for Qatar fellows have to go to a school miles away from the center of Qatar, miles yeah. away from Doha. They're the first teacher from this new program, 21 years old,
0: yeah.
2: and the other ladies or the men are just looking at them like, what are you doing here? Like, that's what do you want? Yeah, it's still them. relatable. <laughs> and I think that's such a challenge, right? Yeah. So yeah. that definitely isn't something that the teachers that I worked with in the UK had to face. When I was a fellow, I had like, God, like five, six years of Teach First ambassadors behind me that were all working in the school. They just... So nobody was like, why, why are you here and you're so young? It doesn't make sense. No, no, no. They knew They knew exactly, you know, how but the program worked. But
0: the sense worked. of training them, are they kind of the same?
2: Yeah. I mean, teacher training, you know, I think it's, look, it's about the motivation. And I think the joy of working with training teachers is when you get people that are motivated, who want to be in the classroom for the right reasons... It's such an honor to be standing in front of them, just to give them the tools to go and fly with. Mm -hmm. Um, That's such a privilege. And then you see them get into the classroom and then, you know, sparks flying. And that's so consistent, regardless of where you go, whether it's, you know, people who are teaching in refugee camps or, like I said, in really fancy classrooms. That's such an honor, to be able to observe that and to be able to see that happen. That's consistent, right? That's human nature.
0: heartwarming?
2: Yeah, very much so. And especially now when you see, you know, I've been... We teach for for a while now, and and just to hear the stories coming back of, you know, this person did this in this classroom, or I was just talking to someone the other day about one of our trainee teachers who really struggled with her confidence and who, you know, was very uncomfortable even making eye contact. Mm. And I've seen the quality of her work. I just couldn't believe that that was the same person that we met before. You know, look, it's it's the same as being a teacher in a classroom. The, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to watch people grow mm. and to be even a tiny part of that journey. I don't work as directly with the teachers as, as my colleagues do. Um, I'm more, you know, I'm especially these days on the data side. Yeah. But just I think if you're in the business of teaching and learning, whether you're teaching trainee teachers, whether you're teaching, you know, nurses in a hospital or whether you're teaching pre-K, you know, three-year-olds, it's just such an honor to be part of somebody's journey because I think that's something very consistent that people need others to support them. Yeah. Whether you're in the UK, wherever you are, people need, no one can thrive in isolation. Yeah. I think that everybody needs other people. And just to be part of somebody else's journey is, I think that's, that's what's at the bottom of teaching, right? That's, that's the privilege that we all, <laughs> that we all uh, enjoy.
0: I think that's actually what helped me become a better teacher because I feel like my first semester was very isolated from like the other semesters mm. that I taught. I feel like as soon as I found that connection, that human connection that we're speaking about, I felt like these kids are human beings. I know that sounds very <clears throat> weird to say, but as soon as I realized that they're human beings with lives that I'm affecting, mm. it made me subconsciously be a better teacher. I was immediately more connected more present more aware of everything I say and everything I do because we talk about this a lot I didn't have that teacher growing mm-hmm. up so that's why I'm really sad but I, I could change that because of that tiny little human connection just me talking to them in the morning or during break time or whatever when they're leaving that made such an impact on them and it's all just because of this human connection.
1: Mm-hmm. And it changes you. It does. It makes you become a planner if you're not a planner. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to perform better. Uh, and it, it change, for me, it didn't just change me as a teacher, but also as a human being. Mm. Because, uh, again, it's it's uh, really, really powerful.
2: But here's I the thought. rub, right? Here's the challenge. Mm. It's such a, what's the word? Like, there's no instant gratification.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's
2: forget about test results for a minute, about academic attainment and... You know, we're not all in the classroom. You shouldn't be in the classroom if your only goal, I think, is just to, you know, get to improve somebody's grades. grades but yeah. you don't get that. You and know, stuff, I've bumped yeah. into I've bumped into kids. I honestly can't remember who they are. They come and talk to me. But I've bumped into kids <laughs> years later who will still know my name and be like, "Hey, you know, I remember that time you did blah blah blah." I can't remember so- anything <laughs> that they're talking an about. No and idea. you know, you have to smile and nod yeah. and be like,
1: "Yeah," and you can't remember <laughs> there.
2: But you don't get that. And sometimes you do. You do. I get remember it. you
1: told me a story. You told us a story in a session about a, a specific student in the, um, in Teach First when okay. you were teaching in your second year when you told them that you were leaving. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, Can you tell the story, please?
2: <laughs> I had a class. I so obviously you Teach First. You know, we get sent to very challenging schools. That's mm-hmm. the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in South London in Croydon, um, and I had a class who were particularly. Um, challenging. They had lots of different needs, um, and so they were a smaller group. And they only came to school, I think, twice a week, once or twice a week. And they they were given, they did like basic math, basic English, and obviously they got sent to the art classroom because everybody thinks <laughs> that that's the non-academic <laughs> subject. Let them do some coloring in. Um, so I loved this group. They were grade ten, and each one of them had you know huge, huge background stories, uh, refugees, learning needs. A lot of them had had run in with the police, and I just remember. with that class I thought I'm getting nowhere with this lot you know I'm not achieving anything if anything the attendance maybe got better Mm. they were coming in on time that was a huge achievement because they were never turning up to school and I just remember when I told them that I was leaving um one girl picked up the chair and threw it at me and that hadn't happened before so I was like right I don't know what to do in this situation (laughs) and then she stormed out so I thought okay at least we're safe and then she came in the next day or the next week and she said to me I'm really sorry I threw that chair at you. I just, I'm really upset because everybody leaves. Everybody leaves me, and I'm really upset that you're going, and I didn't know how to say that to you. So I was really chuffed that she threw a chair at me. I was like, oh, I'm glad, you know, obviously not. Straight out of freedom,
1: writer. Yeah.
2: So, you know, those are the kinds of challenges that you deal with. But as I said, it's not a job where you can say, I increased, you know, I increased my profit at the end of the month, Mm. or I gained... Whatever, you know, I change somebody's their, mindset.
0: It's yeah. really tough,
2: yeah. and and you only, you know, sometimes 30, 40 years down the line, someone will say, "I remember that teacher said that one thing to me." So that's what we try and do at Teach for Qatar in the impact department, just to you know bring it back to my day to day life. Is we're really trying to build that sense of data collection into the fellows and teachers from a very early stage, so that yeah. they can look at small pockets of achievement, mm-hmm. um, to be able to see where how they're having an impact from A to B, yeah. yeah. Um, and not necessarily in terms of academic attainment because that's not always what that's not what we're that's not the only reason that teachers teach right mm-hmm.
0: no but you do have a point in the instant gratification point where teachers will get happy if a student remembers them yeah, yeah. like a couple of days ago one of my students found my number somehow and she's just asking are you miss Yusra?" and i was just like oh my god who is Nuran? <laughs> no i knew immediately i was- I love you. <laughs> and the thing is, she didn't say anything. She just asked if this is me. Mm. But I think my brain kind of in like made it bigger, increased the size of it. Oh my God, she loves me. She, I did something. I changed her <laughs> life. And that's how little of an impact or that's how big the impact actually mm. is. So that is the constant in every classroom. It's the human connection. It's the shared human experience. Us seeing each other every day Every three days, every two days of the week, and just sharing these forty-five to fifteen minutes, may, bonds us, and it's the same everywhere because of that.
2: Yeah, and that's where the you know it's the same challenge now with COVID. Yeah, we, you know that's been pulled out from under us, and and we've everybody's lost that. Yeah. Um. So that's where you know that's where the real. It's such a shame, you know, children aren't getting that connection anymore and teachers as well it's really difficult to stay motivated when you don't have that day-to-day contact with the children so yeah that's that's It seems like a little thing
1: but i had a teacher tell me in january it's january and i still don't know all of their names yeah Yeah. and i feel like if someone from the outside heard it they'd be like yeah big deal but But it really is just their names and she still can't get them all you know right from you know four months in or five months in (sighs) crazy Uh, but yeah there's no better person to talk about this uh, than you and we're so happy that we know you personally and that you know you got to be here with us today thank you No,
2: thank you it's a pleasure thank you so much
1: and uh, thank you everyone tune in next week for our fifth episode of With Hay and